With great data comes even greater access latency. Welcome to the Trino Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. Trino Community Broadcast is a show where we cover events and happenings in the open source Trino community and show off some cool stuff about Trino. So uh, welcome, welcome uh, to our guests. And uh, hello again, Cole. <laughs> hello, it's good to be back. I like Man, being And you know what? I, I always like having this little thing on the top here, but then it just blocks out my head and Cigar's head over here. So I'm just going to take that down. <laughs> it was good uh, for the first 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. That's just so we, we all know where we're at and then uh, and then done. Okay, so um, uh, so welcome. Uh, this is a, a really exciting episode to uh, to all of you who are, are tuning in now and to all of you who will tune in uh, in the coming days. Uh, we are going to be talking today about a super cool uh, Apache project called Hootie, or is it, I actually, I always want to say Hootie, but it's probably, it's Hootie, right? Uh, it's Hootie. It's Hootie? Okay. Yep. Because it's, 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 Hootie. Like, I, I would pronounce, like, it's in the documentation, it says it's pronounced, like, you know, Hootie, like the hoodie you wear. Yeah. And I say Hootie, but then I'm guessing, like, I don't know, maybe different people pronounce hoodie differently than my American accent. I don't know. So anyway, so hoodie, we'll go with hoodie then. If that's it. I'm, I'm hearing it from the source of, of one of the hoodie contributors that I uh, I need to call it hoodie. Okay, great. So um, so today we're talking about uh, hoodie and uh, all of these really cool uh, services, features around around ho hoodie. Ho no, I'm not thinking about it too much. <laughs> you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it down. Hootie. And, um, uh, and then we, um, we're going to be kind of diving into kind of what, what those services are. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we hear kind of uh, Hootie talked about in the kind of context of Hive. And so, we, you know, it's like a kind of in the table format. Um, but, we, you know, there's Hootie, as I've come to kind of discover more and more in the last couple of months, uh, as we've kind of brought this into the Trino project, uh, it's, it's actually a lot more than just, uh, 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 and I'd say just, uh, there's a lot to be said about, you know, getting the table format part right. But it's more than just the table format. It's actually quite a few tools and services that, that build around the data lake that, that make, you know, running your data lake pretty pretty uh, simple, uh, fast, and particularly good around more streaming use cases. And so, uh, so I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, real quick round of intros. Uh, I'll start with you, Cole. You, you're you're uh, becoming more and more uh, known in this space. How's it going, man? Yeah, hi. So for those of you who don't know me or are only tuning into this episode, uh, my name is Cole Bowden. Um, I am the Trino release manager. I work on Trino developer relations as well. Um, so I kind of live, breathe, eat, wake Trino. Um, Wait, so you're in the Trino developer relations? So, oh, that's how you got on the show. Okay, got it. Believe it or not, yeah. Actually. <laughs> that's, that's I thought I thought that you were here to just uh, just hang out and uh, uh, and, and uh, watch watch what things are going on as uh, we we talk about Hootie today. But I, I like I to know your developer relations. No, people don't necessarily know. They don't have to know. So <laughs> yeah, it is we cover our bases. But yeah, so I'm on Trino um, all the time. Uh, I've been awesome. watching the the work on the Hootie connector slowly work towards conclusion with excitement this entire time. So I'm glad we got it. Yeah, you have full full visibility on everything that's kind of creeping into our our uh, beloved uh, query engine. So uh, I always kind of get the 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 download from from what's going on in the pulse uh, from Cole because he pretty much sees everything. Him and Martin. <laughs> Martin, Martin not only sees it, he understands it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big difference. Uh, great. Uh, okay, uh, Cigar, uh, tell us why you're here and, and tell us what you do around Hootie. 
Sure. So my name is Sagar Smith, and uh, I'm a software engineer at One House. Um, um, we are building a complete lake house foundation. Um, as part of it, I'm very fortunate I get to contribute to this wonderful open source project, Apache Hoodie. Um, I work mostly on the transactional engine of Hoodie and its integration with uh, other query engines. Um, prior to that, I've worked at AWS and Oracle. At AWS, I was working at the, with the Aurora team, the relational database service called Aurora. Mm. And uh, while at Oracle, I was working with on Golden Gate, uh, building heterogeneous replication system uh, from one database to another. So pretty much, uh, yeah, I, I've been in this data ecosystem and I just enjoy this, uh, how yeah. the field is exploding. Uh, it never gets old. <laughs> yeah, there's always new new ways to optimize performance, new ways to scale up and, and all these things. Now, we're, you're, you're working at a place called One House right now. Um, what, what, what is One House and, and what, how are they related to Hootie? And what are you all doing at, at One House? Um, all right. Um, so One House uh, was founded by creator of Hoodie, um, Vinod Chander. Um, okay. But it's not a Hoodie company per se. Um, uh, Hoodie short powers um, the data plane of One House. Uh, at the end of the day, we want um, our customers to uh, be happy about um, how smooth uh, their functions run on uh, Lake House. Uh, this lake house uh, thing is still new, still evolving. Uh, there are a lot of things going around in warehouse world, a lot of things going around in data lakes. But uh, people do realize at this point of time that data lakes are slowly becoming unmanageable and it's uh, really hard to keep track of everything. Yeah. Um, so one house is kind of building this uh, full managed experience. Uh, with the core tech behind it being Lakehouse architecture, mm -hmm. and uh, that Lakehouse architecture is being powered by Hootie. Awesome. So it's kind of like some of those services that we talk about that are available in Hootie. You kind of expand upon those and build even more because again, it's not just a storage and you know set it and forget it kind of thing anymore. Like yeah. lake houses are becoming more sophisticated, and in order to actually make them kind of feel like a like what you got with a warehouse or or a or essentially a database, you know, you, there's there's a lot of work that goes into that uh, under the cover. So, cool. Yeah. So uh, we will have a link to both the Hootie project and One House and any other uh, kind of place where you recommend that uh, we should send people to kind of learn more about this. Uh, Sagar, just send my way afterwards, and we'll we'll put those into the show notes as well. Um, okay. Well, great. Glad to have you on. And uh, Grace. Uh, uh, last but not least, Grace, you don't work at, at One House. Where do you work? I work at the Robinhood. Okay. And why are you on the show? Yeah. So, like uh, in Robinhood, like we use Hoodie intensively for our real time data ingestion. So, I'm really excited to see like the Hoodie has brought down like our DB snapshot time from one day to like the uh, as like quick as like 15 minutes latency. Mm -hmm. And then, like the definitely since we use Hoodie as our underlying like the table, then then like the we like my team like also manage like the query platform in Robinhood. So yeah. definitely we provide like the we use Trino intensively. So yeah. definitely we also set up the Trino hoodie integration to power our user to use Trino to query the hoodie data. 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm really happy to be here like, to support this use case. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to hear more about that. We've, we, you, you were, you joined us uh, a while back um, in uh, Trino Summit 2021 to talk about more about Trino. So yeah. now I'm excited to kind of hear more of the details of like Trino plus Hootie uh, on the, on the show today. So, um, so great. So thanks for, uh, for joining us today. And uh, let me uh, really quickly bring up our, our notes for today. So, um, before we hop right into the concept of the week, I have uh, a couple things that I want to uh, to share with you all. So you've heard me a couple of times in the last uh, couple of uh, episodes. We're talking about you know Trino Summit. Uh, it's going to be uh, a spectacular event coming up uh, in in November 10th, and so that's going to be on a Thursday. Um, and we're basically just all getting together in San Francisco. So if you're out in San Francisco, uh, in the Bay area, would love to see you all there, uh, live. Uh, and that goes Rob, Robin Hood's in the Bay area, correct? Yeah. As well as one house is in the Bay area. Yep. Okay, so you all need to be out, at least you two, but then like bring your friends uh, and and we'd all like to kind of get everybody together, uh, you know, in person. But, you know, we know that that's not necessarily the case and, and a possibility for everybody. So we're also going to be, you know, broadcasting this in a hybrid format. Um, speakers will be there live, but then uh, but then everybody else. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to tune in virtually if you can't make it there live. And so we're hoping to have a, a pretty good turnout and uh, currently are just a, a little tittage over a uh, hundred and we're, we're hoping to get somewhere closer to 200 uh, to 250 uh, as we get closer to the actual day of the event. So, um, so I'm going to really quickly, uh, I, oh yeah, actually I should explain myself. I'm, I'm dressed up as Ash Ketchum for those of you who you know are familiar with uh, Pokemon at all. Uh, I, I'm dressed up as Indigo League, uh, Ash Ketchum. And um, so basically um, the theme of this year's Trino Summit uh, is talking about federating them all. So, you know, uh, one, the, the kind of heavier known use case of Trino is always like, you know, oh, well, you know, Trino is kind of replacing Hive and uh, and being able to do a lot of this data lake house stuff like we're talking about today. Uh, but one of the like lesser talked about uh, features is that it also really well handles query federation. And we can literally, you know, pull data from all across your data platform without having to, to actually move that in any particular location. So I thought, well, what better way to bring on nostalgia and at the same time, uh, try to convey this this really cool use case of federated querying, and so Pokemon was clearly the answer. So uh, I'm gonna do uh, the nerdiest thing I may have ever done on the show before, but I'm gonna say, Trino Summit video, go! I wanna be the very best. Query engine ever was To read data is my real test Training models is my cause I have traveled across the network Scanning bits and bytes Each catalog the Trino adds Brings power to the Hi, I'm Dane Sundstrom, and I want to invite you to attend the 2022 Trino Summit on November 10th, either online or in person. 
Join us as we get together to listen to some amazing speakers and to celebrate Trino. Register now. All right. So I hope you all got really excited by that. Uh, you know, it, it is ideally the nerdiest thing you've ever seen uh, done around a query engine. So um, we have uh, a couple uh, blog posts that just went out recently about this, um, announcing some of the people who will be speaking there. So we have uh, Lyft. Uh, actually, here, let me see, actually go through and make sure I don't forget anybody. So we have like, uh, and I'll open up the other one here. So we have... Where is it? Lyft, we have Shopify, uh, we have our own Monica Miller uh, that's gonna be talking to you about Star Wars Galaxy and her lightning talk. Uh, we have Felipe Gangon, a very long time member of the Trina community coming uh, to us as an essay from Astronomer. Uh, and then the second blog went into talking about uh, South Korea Telecom's uh, journey to iceberg. Um, we also have Comcast, Quora, and uh, Upsolver so far. Today, I want to be the, the first place that you actually get to hear this. We have a couple more announcements of new speakers. We have, um, uh, I'll, I'll save uh, the big one for, for the end. We'll, we have uh, Goldman Sachs, which is also a big one. Um, we have Zillow, and we will also have Apple uh, doing the, that was the big one. Uh, <laughs> Apple will be doing uh, the their presentation. Uh, and so we will be going out with a final blog post to kind of give you all the abstracts and all the things you want to know. And we'll be posting the agenda next week. So definitely do uh, uh, sign up and check out uh, uh, the uh, the summit. If you can't make it there in person, of course, uh, you know, we, we totally get that. Um, if you are in the Bay Area, uh, you know, uh, we would love to see you there in person and, and share ideas, ideas and, and uh, talk with you face to face. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty much my pitch. Register, register, come on. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, next step, uh, I'm going to hand this on over to you, Mr. Cole. Okay. I'm really glad I didn't interrupt with uh, possible speakers because I totally would have said like Apple and Goldman Sachs first and just ruined you announcing that right then. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, I can, I can, I'm like, I can do the list. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, so it's been a while since our last Trino Community broadcast, which means we have a lot of releases to go over. Yes. Uh, and in fact, release 401 is kind of a double release. Um, it was delayed for a week, so it's a two-week release. Yeah. Um, so we can go down the list. 396, um, there's lots of performance improvements. So we have improved performance on processing strings, fast writing of various types to Parquet, um, support for pushing down complex joys to connectors, support for comments in BigQuery, um, that's going to be a theme, or at least maybe not necessarily mentioned, but it is happening all over the place. Um, S3 select pushdown for JSON data in Hive, um, fast with date truncation predicates over partition columns in Iceberg, reduce query latency with glue. Um, you can see there's the new Hootie connector in 398. We've got improved performance for Parquet data in Delta Lake Hive and Iceberg. Um, support for column comments and accumulo, support for timestamp and pino. Um, big change, timestamps are good. Uh, 399 added faster joins, just they're just better. Uh, faster reads of decimal values in parquet data. Um, support for writing various types of BigQuery, support for predicate pushdown involving date time in MongoDB. I'm doing my speed run, Brian. You got to keep scrolling for it. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I got distracted for like two seconds and then I was like, crap, he's at the bottom. I've, I've gone all the way. Uh, 
we added support for Truncate in BigQuery, uh, support for the Pinot Proxy, uh, improved latency when querying iceberg tables with many files. Um, 401 brought uh, big improvements to the performance and reliability of insert and particularly mm. merge. Merge was a relatively new feature in Trino. Um, it is now much faster, better, reliable, and less error prone. So, was that another one from David? Because I remember him saying like there was a, a new way he was going to re-implement or like kind of fix this the first go around. Yes. So we announced Merge, and Merge worked, but now now it really works. Now it works <laughs> extra good. So yeah, it works extra good. Uh, support for Google Cloud Storage and Delta Lake. Support for IBM Cloud Object Storage and Hive, um, and then. Also support for writes with fault tolerant execution in MySQL, Postgres, and SQL Server. Uh, we'll talk a which, little bit more about Which we're going to dive into, yeah. yeah. Uh, in so I don't need to explain what that means right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, additional highlights. These are the ones that I added in is my particular comment. Is uh, the new Hootie connector. I mean, like, it's almost like we got see that one coming. a broadcast episode <laughs> about it. Like, yeah, we've talked about it. But seriously, <laughs> like, it's not every day a new connector gets added to Trino. We should be excited about that. Oh, yeah. I feel like we need a special we need a special musical sequence for when the new a new, new connector arrives. Yeah, so, that that because we always have to make a big deal out of it. It's always yeah. exciting. Uh, Delta Lake Writer version has been bumped two times since the last uh, Trino community broadcast, which I just think is kind of amusing that we've upgraded from version two to version three, and then version three to version four, um, and then. There were more fixes to table and column comments than even those notes mentioned. Um, Yuya Abihara has been hard at work making sure that comments work basically everywhere all of the time. Yeah. Um, so you can use them in places on Trino and they won't cause errors or failures or disappear into the void, which is pretty key. You know, it's, it's nice being able to use comments. So. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a lot of people's documentation right there. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's cool. only a surface level overview of some of the biggest changes. If you want to see more, we always have the release notes. I work very hard on them. It would make me happy if you read them. Um, yeah. These notes are really fun reading, I think. And by that, I mean they're really dry and not exciting. And you're probably not going <laughs> to understand half of it because I don't, even when I write it. But still, take a look. <laughs> well, uh, let's, and real quick, uh, as, a, as a small segue, uh, as to, you know, to talk about the, uh, crazy amount of things that that you and particularly we, we're doing on the DevRel team, uh, Manfred, uh, our mine and Cole's boss uh, and co-host, um, uh, chimed in just now saying that, uh, Cole, you processed and triaged 30 PRs yesterday. So what what does that mean? Uh, what are we doing actually? Uh, actually, and this is a, a joint effort between me, Manfred, and Cole. Uh, but just get, give us a little background about some things that we're doing to make the experience for developers in the Trino community better. Yeah, so there's a few different things. Um, what Manfred's referring to is that we are slowly working our way through the oldest and stalest pull requests that exist in Trino and trying to gently steer them towards completion or being closed. Um, yes. And this is helpful for a community because it means that when you go look at live pull requests, once we finish this work, every pull request that's open like, has a purpose and is something that is truly in progress. Yeah. Um, which makes it a much better tool just to look at pull requests to, to see what's going on, what's in yeah. the works, what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, as opposed to now, where I think we started with about 620 open pull requests. We've been working on this for a couple of weeks now. Um, we're down to like 460, 450. Yeah. Um, and we're making sure we do it manually because while some communities 
will sometimes just put in like a stale bot that literally just automatically closes everything. Um, we wanted to have that human element and make sure like if it's cool or if it needs work or if someone wants to work on it, like we don't automatically close it on them and we're ready to help anyone in the Trino community with something old that they want to get um, across the finish line. So and, and we're finding some pretty cool gems when you start to yeah. like break over what's what's actually been back there. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this pull request. Like we need to keep we need to keep this one going. How'd this fall out? Speaking it, of new connectors, yesterday I bumped into two different add X connector pull requests. Yeah. And both of them actually the authors were like, oh yeah, like I would love to get this merged. Like let's let's go. Like if you're ready to help me, like I'm ready to develop this. And I'm like, yeah. cool. Like and so on another side of that too, now once we kind of go through that, like that's also a part of the DevRels team to make sure that we are tracking these things once you do come back and that the thing that happened before where, you know, it kind of fell off the radar, unless unless you stop kind of communicating with us, like that that pull request won't fall on off the off the rails again essentially getting lost by maintainers and that's that's something that we're trying to really, you know, uh, spruce up so that when you come here, you know, put time and effort into actually writing code for Trino, like that your efforts are, are seen and, and that we are actually uh, going to help you along the way and getting that code in. So, uh, so yeah, so that's some really exciting stuff. Um, wanted to do a quick shout out to uh, Stephanie Al Alume. I'm going to say maybe that's how the right way to say that name is. Uh, nice to hear you as well, or, or at least see your comment. Uh, thanks for joining us today on Trino Community Broadcast. And uh, Manfred, again, uh, I think commenting on the, <laughs> the video that we were just playing. So uh, if you have questions, you can do the same thing where you just like send us a little comment in YouTube and then we can bring them up. Um, Cool. Uh, anything else, Cole, that you wanted to, to cover before we hop on into the concept of the episode? I think we are ready to go. Awesome. To the concept of the episode. I was almost able to get it pretty much into right, the right view. I, I'm impressed. I was not ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. This concept of the episode. Oh my gosh, that says concept of the week. I gotta get rid of, I gotta fix that. Anyways, that was from our older events when we used to do this bi-weekly. Okay, so this concept of the episode, we are talking about uh, Hootie, of course, as we met, kind of mentioned before, and specifically the, the Hootie connector. So, um, so I'm gonna take off a lot of these words because we don't have any diagrams yet to, to quite look at. And uh, Cigar, can, can you just, in your words, you know, you, you, you are the kind of person with the most kind of, uh, I guess, uh, intimate experience with, with Hootie. Could you kind of give us the, you know, you, if, if I came up to you in an elevator and asked you, hey, so what do you work on? And, and, and then you say, I'm working on Hootie. What, what would, how would you describe, well, what is Hootie? Uh, sure. Uh, but just before I do that, I want to say a quick thank you to Cole uh, for maintaining the release notes. Uh, those are super helpful, especially that you attach the PR links to the features. Uh, I particularly look out for SPI improvements. Uh, for example, that pushing down joints to the connector um, and looking at the way it was implemented, that helps me learn a lot. Uh, so thanks again. Nice. I like Dean. hearing that. That makes me know that my work is being used by people. If you ever have any feedback or want more detail, like feel free to reach out as well. <laughs> cool. All right, now, okay, so Hootie, right? Um, uh, let me tell you a brief background why uh, the story behind the uh, Hootie 
why it originated. So basically, Uber had this raw trips data. Um, and as Uber was scaling, uh, the trips data kept on getting bigger and bigger. And the frequency of updates to the trips data uh, was uh, increasing um, uh, every day. So as Grace also mentioned that you know, typically you know, in their environment, it took uh, one day to update uh, the snapshot, but Hoodie helped it bring it down to a few minutes. Uh, that was the original motivation. Uh, if you look at um, uh, Hive, then if, uh, uh, doing efficient updates uh, is just not possible. And the part of the reason is, um, if you if you just want to update some data in a particular partition, Hive will have to copy uh, the whole partition, right? So that that takes a toll on your ingestion throughput. Um, so Hoodie came up with the, this idea of um, maintaining uh, a log. Uh, well, this is not a new idea. It has been there for quite some time in uh, log structured database systems or uh, even right ahead logs that we have in relational data systems, yeah. they also um, uh, do something similar. Um, so what Hoodie does is that you can uh, let the updates uh, get logged to a separate log file and then merge those updates, uh, you know, um, uh, with the base file. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind of and like <laughs> there is a very powerful invariant uh, in Hoodie, um, and we'll talk about that when we talk about file layout of Hoodie. Uh, that invariant is um, a particular record will always go to even multiple versions of that record um, will always go to a particular file group. So there is one to one mapping between all these versions of uh, a single record and a file group. Uh, we'll talk about what file group is when we talk about file layout in Hoodie. Uh, but yeah, uh, efficient updates was the main motivating factor behind uh, uh, Hoodie's creation. Um, and then uh, apart from, uh, well, it needed a whole table format for sure, uh, doing transactional updates, um, uh, but that's not, the real power of Hoodie. Uh, it has evolved to do something more than that. So Lakehouse, in, a, in very simplistic, I'm just dumbing it down. Uh, there's more to Lakehouse. Um, you can go ahead and read that paper about Lakehouse architecture. But if I had to put it in one sentence, then it's a transactional data lake, right? What data warehouses do for you? Conveniently, uh, Lakehouse uh, is attempting to do that. Um, uh, but Hoodie uh, does something more intelligent. In the background, it also do uh, it will also do all the compaction of data for you, clustering of data for you. Let's say you know your access pattern of the data. You want to query by certain fields most of the time. Uh, if you specify those sort by columns, and then Hoodie will cluster your data in the background without really blocking the ingestion. And that's where uh, we feel the real power of Hoodie lies um, in bringing this nuance to the lake house architecture. Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, I think, I, I, and that was very, very well said. I think that that kind of gets at the at the crux of like you know a lot of these these uh, extra uh, kind of tools that you all have have developed around the ecosystem of Udi uh, really get at. So I'd like to kind of uh, so there's these two kind of uh, you know uh, table table types that that you all have. Could you kind of dive into uh, you know one kind of sounds like the original use case that Hive was was doing and then you know but you you kind of give the user based on the table that they're writing to and based on the use case of that given table you actually give them the flexibility to uh to determine the type of of uh writing pattern and reading pattern and file structure um based on the use case that's going to be that table is going to be used for and so could you dive into what are those called what 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 is when would you use one versus the other Oh, that's a good question. Um, as you mentioned, Hoodie has two table types. Uh, one is copy on write, and the other is called merge on read. Um, copy on write is much more akin to what Hive used to do. So you have, uh, let's say, first round of ingestion wrote some data. Um, then uh, second round of ingestion had few updates and few new inserts coming in. Uh, then what's going to happen is while you're uh, while Hoodie is writing, uh, then the whole base, the whole copy of data is going to be recreated and updated um, at the time of ingestion itself. Um, and this this uh, does incur some write amplification um, if if you think in terms of uh, how much bytes of data you write per ingestion round. Uh, mm -hmm. It surely does have. Um, um, right amplification, but then when you read the table, uh, you get the latest snapshot right there. You don't have to do any merging while reading the table. Um, your current version of the base file is the latest state of the data. Um, so for most batch use cases, um, People are talking a lot about streaming use cases, near real-time ingestion. And who do we talk a lot about near real-time ingestion? Our mm -hmm. configuration defaults are optimized for that. But batch ingestion is not dead. Uh, it's still a significant share of uh, data ingestion that happens today. So for batch ingestion, that's still a pretty good option, uh, copy on write table. But um, for near real-time ingestion, by near real-time, I basically mean, uh, let's say, where you can um, withstand uh, a minute of latency between event time and arrival time. Mm -hmm. So uh, in those cases, when you want to have efficient updates, then merge on read table is the right choice. What merge on read table does, first round, you ingest the data. It will write into certain file groups. Fine. Second round, when you have, uh, let's say, 20% you know, updates, 80% new inserts, right? All these uh, go into, uh, the, the updates will go into a uh, log file of an existing file group. So mm -hmm. you are going to maintain um, different versions of the same record. Uh, Hoodie has this uh, event log uh, through which it can figure out what's the latest snapshot for that particular uh, uh, data file and uh, uh, why it does not well first of all uh, your write amplification reduces it does not have to copy the whole data from your previous ingestion round 
secondly, uh, we write these log files in Avro. Um, so it's it's very basic. You just uh, uh, pick the records from the source and write it to Avro file. So your write throughput that way can be very high. Um, you do not incur any overhead uh, due to parquet. Um, and then the uh, trade-off here is um, uh, nothing is free, right? Uh, mm -hmm. No free lunch theorem. Uh, so the tra trade-off here is uh, that while reading, um, to get the latest snapshot, this merging needs to happen. You have multiple versions of the data files now, and now you need to merge to uh, actually provide the latest snapshot uh, for a query. So there, compaction helps. Compaction service can keep running in the background and the user can configure, uh, let's say they want to compact uh, on the basis of number of commits. Every five commits or so, I want to merge all the log files mm -hmm. and produce new set of base files. Um, another option is to compact based on log file size instead of you know number of commits. Yeah. So th there are various options through which you can tune the compaction operation and let it run in the background so that your query is not affected as much. Gotcha. Quick question. Uh, are you, is once you set a table type, is that, is that static or, or are you able to kind of update that depending on maybe different modes as, as you change across, like as you, Let's say one at some point. I, I only want only real use case I could think of uh, was the may, like I have a maybe a, a table long term that I'm planning on using as a streaming ingest table, but then in the very beginning I have like a lot of data to just push in there. Are you able to make that change uh, after you've like first set it up? You know, you want to just do the batch mode, and then afterwards you want to do streaming. Um, but, uh, and and if there is somebody that has a use case out there that you would have to go back and forth, did that use case pretty much exist, or or is that even possible with uh, with Hootie? The first use case is more popular, um, and of course we support that. You can switch from copy on read to merge on read table at any point in time. Okay. Um, technically, you can also switch back from merge on read table to copy on read, but uh, but there's work that has to, to be have... done, right? Uh, at least one compaction should have uh, before switching just run a compaction so that we have the latest base files um all this all the log files are merged to produce another set of base files gotcha and then you would have to like i guess pause your ingest for just like while you're doing that yeah. compaction yeah okay but but in general I, I i i the only one i can honestly think of is the is that first one where it's like i i'm migrating into hootie and i have a like a, a lot of like a couple petabyte of data or something. So I need to just copy it over. And then once that's happened, then the, the data is in there and I want to switch it now, that same table that I just wrote to, I want it to be now, uh, you know, ready to take in streaming data. So that, that's, that was kind of, I guess that one specific scenario, but maybe there's, I'm sure there's other ones. I just, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, we also have another quick question from uh, Marius Grama. Uh, he's from uh, one of the uh, heavy contributors in the Trino community. He wanted to see if there's any scenarios where Hootie's actually being used for near real-time ingestion. Um, like maybe, I don't know if, it, and actually this does Robinhood uh, have an NRT uh, uh, um, 
use case that they're using uh, Hootie for right now. Yeah, sort of like the, we are using Hootie for the near real time DB injection. So basically, it's like the, we'll talk about more details like in the later session. But okay. basically, we use it to Hootie to process the like the right headlock and then like the use it to efficient upsert the this like the incremental changes to the existing table. So okay. like basically, just like the, instead of in the past, we snapshotting the whole table like every day. Like right now, you can just like the, in the real time ingest this like, incremental change log and then to have a, like up-to-date version like the of the backend table in your data lake. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, okay, very good. And that also brings up another question in my head. How much control do you have over when compaction jobs are running and things like that? Like how frequently uh, do, you, do you give a lot of knobs for people to play with on that? Or is it, or do you usually kind of have the more opinionated stance? Mm, uh, are you... Uh, talking in terms of uh, uh, concurrency here, um, um, like or... like just how how frequently do compaction jobs run? Because I know if you're running them, way you know it's kind of that trade off of uh, if I run it too frequently, then that's going to affect writes. It's if I'm running it too uh, too you know slow, uh, not enough, then my reads start to kind of suffer, right? So, yeah. um, so what, what, what I was kind of curious, you know, how do you like? Do you provide a pretty reasonable default, but let them override it if needed, or yeah. uh, what's the approach there? Yeah, that's true. So compaction for merge and read table is enabled by default, and uh, we do have some default configuration set for log file size. Um, uh, once once you get to a certain size of log files, oh, then right. go ahead and compact. Uh, but this is totally tunable depending on your workload. Uh, how do you want to do it? Um, uh, many people actually in the community prefer doing it based on simply on the number of commits, uh, irrespective of, uh, I, I, I don't care. Uh, they would still have the default file size limit, but um, even if that limit is not reached, if I've hit certain number of commits, just go ahead and compact. Got it. Um... I think this is a question back to you about what's change data feed. I'm not sure if I understand the, the question. Maybe you said, I think it was, was it yeah. change data capture perhaps that uh, you had said, and that's probably, I, I'm guessing she had said, uh, Grace, did you say change data capture somewhere in your dialogue? So I know that that's a, a big part of that. So we we can talk, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Marius, hang tight. I think a lot of your questions will get answered when we when we cover uh, the architecture at, uh, at Robinhood. So um, cool. Uh, I think that that kind of gives us a good sense of like the the trade offs and and kind of some of the the kind of uh, you know things that you'll need to consider when you're kind of uh, defining these tables. Um, so the next kind of topic that I, I thought was really interesting um, uh, around Hootie is is that Hootie maintains its own metadata table, and um, I, I kind of you know have an inkling as to as to why this works and how, how it works, but I'm not gonna make myself look like an idiot. So Sagar, if you could kind of go into like what the metadata table tracks, uh, kind of what um, what what it's actually trying to uh, solve and, and trying trying to like kind of address. Uh, I think this you know has a lot to address with like some of the older implementation uh, issues that came with uh, when when Hive. Honestly, when Hive uh, systems started getting deployed in the cloud environments, uh, we started to have a lot of these these kind of 
listing issues, we'll say. So um, to tell me a little bit more about what the Hootie metadata tracks, metadata table tracks, and uh, and kind of you know what uh, what 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 that offers to uh, Hootie users. Sure. Um, so Hootie metadata table. Um, uh, if I have to summarize in one single sentence, I'll start off with that, and then we'll get into a little bit more detail. So it's like it maintains uh, an index for your data, uh, different types of indexes mm -hmm. um, for your data, uh, which can be used and which is used in Hootie uh, both at the time of writing data as well as reading the data. Okay. So what kind of indexes do we maintain there? Uh, one is files index, so um, uh, which records are in which files which, oh, and what partitions they belong to, uh, such kind of data. Uh, then another is column stats index, um, uh, data files, min max values, uh, null counts, cardinalities, stuff like that. Um, another yet another index is Bloom filter index. So remember, I mentioned uh, in the beginning that there is a powerful invariant in Hootie that a record will always go to a particular file group, even if that record has multiple versions. Mm -hmm. um, so let me uh, explain a bit about file group here, concept of file groups in Hootie. Um, whenever a record comes in, Hootie will try to map it to a particular data file. That data file has some file uh, file group ID. It's a simple UUID. And then it's uh, also annotated with a commit time, right? To mm -hmm. indicate the version of that uh, file group. Now, when updates, uh, let's take an example of MOR because that's more interesting. COW, uh, I think uh, a lot of people are already familiar. Uh, people from Hive ecosystem are already familiar. Yep. Um, so in case of MOR, when an update uh, for an existing record comes in, oh, what's going to happen? Hootie is going to look into what's the file group for this particular record and then add a log file to that particular file group. So uh, now we have what we call in Hootie a file slice. Um, a file slice is nothing but a base file which was produced when Hootie first ingested that record, or let's say when a compaction uh, operation ran and it produced a new set of base file. And then all the versions of those records, uh, the log files, so base file together with the, these set of log files constitute a file slice. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all about uh, the file layout. Now, coming back to the metadata table, um, metadata table helps us in quickly identifying while you're writing data to the table, it helps uh, through uh, Bloom filter index, it will help us in quickly identifying which, uh, okay, this particular record belongs to which particular file group, stuff like that, right? Uh, while you're reading through metadata table, um, you rightly mentioned that um, uh, with Hive, there is another problem. Um, and that's file listing. It's not very scalable. Um, and uh, as soon as you uh, put your data on cloud object storage systems, S3 or uh, GCS, um, you really get to hit those limits and uh, uh, 
it, it will simply uh, throttle out. Um, so metadata index, uh, the files index particularly helps you in uh, file listing. Um, so it's like a central repository for all your metadata. Okay. And in turn, you can use uh, column stats index as well to prune the, um, so, so there, there is two level pruning in Hoodie. Uh, one, you can use the files index to prune the partitions itself, what mm -hmm. partitions you need, really need to list. And second level pruning is uh, for the data itself. Based on column statistics, you can skip certain records um, depending on your query predicates. So that's okay. how metadata table helps us to you know, make our writes as well as reads uh, faster. Is is uh, is all of this also stored in the Hive Metastore? Is that where the central location is, or is it just directly going to? So it's basically is 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 meta the Hootie metadata table kind of an augmented uh, Hive Metastore that just got rid of all the bad practices of Hive essentially. Um, or is it, or is there more to it than that? Is that oversimplification? There, there is slightly more to it. Um, today, Hootie metadata table is co-located with the data table so okay. within the data table itself actually when we get to the demo, demo then i can show you on minio where metadata table is oh located. cool um uh, so uh, within the data table itself hoodie maintains all its metadata okay um, including the metadata table itself and the metadata table itself is a hoodie table it's it's not um unlike hive uh, uh which used to which stores the metadata in a relational database system. Mm. Uh, no, we use Hoodie for metadata table. Again, uh, the reason is that as your data gets updated, metadata needs to get updated um, fast as well, right? right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, did, did I answer your question? I, I, I think I think if we, let's go through the, uh, when we're going through the demo, let's look at it and I think it'll make it even more clear. I think I'm kind of getting what you're, you're I'm slowly kind of getting in. I think I want to just make sure my understanding's correct by just looking at the, the real example when we get to the demo. Cool. Um, okay. I want to pull up this, you know, and I, I feel like actually sometimes these, I like these diagrams that, uh, that you all have in terms of the, uh, these, these layouts. So I, I, um, one thing that I, I kind of wanted to see, you know, a lot of the visualization aspect to, um, some of the stuff that we're describing, um, oops, oops. So these are kind of the file groups that you're talking about, right? This, this kind of, uh, it's a file slice. It's a, or sorry, if I, the, each of these boxes are file slices, but are the, are the kind of uh, pairings together, these these like multiple file slices together, or is that a group or what is that trying to convey there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there are two things here, right? Uh, the boxes and just beside it, you see there is uh, a kind of log file, data compaction at certain time. Right? Okay. Um, one particular, these boxes are base files. So base file themselves can be, uh, let's say the white box behind the green box, that's mm -hmm. the original base file when the data was first written. Okay. Okay. It got assigned to some file group, which is identified by file ID one. All right. At that point of time, there is no log file. It's just one base file. Those were all new inserts, no updates. 
Now, at uh, uh, in in this particular figure, updates are happening, uh, or I should say, upsets are happening every minute. So at 10:01, uh, you just produced uh, one base file, um, and then at 10:02, uh, let's say uh, you added um, few. Uh, uh, some data to the log files. So all, all these delta commits, uh, which is different from compaction commit. So all mm. these delta commits are adding some updates and some inserts. So uh, the log files together with one uh, box constitute a file group. Uh, that's the file group concept. Okay, there so can that, be more different whole... file groups as well. Okay. So in that file group is going to be like the parquet file plus the 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 you know Avril. accompanying Avril files and every exactly. single parquet file that's kind of underneath that that group essentially that that kind of yep. ID. Yep. Okay. The reason we need to maintain it is that uh, well most popular use cases that you want to get the latest snapshot of the data, but then increasingly people also do time travel queries. Yes. Uh, so that you know you can look back um, in a particular time range. That's one reason. Another reason is, let's say, um, due to some reason, you see you want to uh, restore to a previous version of data. So uh, you just need to, in Hootie, we call it save point and restore operation. Um, so Hootie timeline maintains that information, uh, which particular file group was added at what point of time. And uh, you can quickly restore to that particular snapshot. And in the background, cleaner will later on uh, clean your data. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and that kind of I think is is conveyed right here how yeah. they're showing these these different. So this yeah. this is kind of the right side of this, and then when you go in and read, uh, if you're reading uh, at at ten ten before essentially, or sorry, if you're reading at ten o four, you have to read all of these delta commits and combine them right. each time you read. However, once there's a compaction commit, you can only you only have to read up to that that last compaction commit to kind of give you the way the state is, right? Exactly, exactly. And let's say you read at ten o seven, right? Mm -hmm. um, then you need not look at the base files older than ten o five. You have the latest base file at ten o five, and you just need to merge the log files for certain file groups um, that were logged at 1006 and 1007. Gotcha. Very cool. I think this is making a lot of conceptual sense. Let's let's start diving into now. I think what a lot of people are also really and clearly Marius is very interested in. Uh, I'd like to talk about, you know, so uh, Grace, could you tell us a little bit about your architecture, some of the use cases that kind of drove drove you all to kind of, uh, you know, needing this kind of real time ingestion uh, capability uh, on top of a, a data lake. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just uh, maybe just we'll start out with the architecture and then we'll dive into the use cases more. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Brian. So, uh, like I mentioned a couple of times, in Robinhood, we use Hoodie to power our near real-time DB ingestion flow. So, here in Robinhood, we use PostgreSQL as our primary online transactional database to serve the online traffic. And usually, we want to copy this online data to our data lake for the downstream distributed computation or the analytics use. And we used to do this like the snapshot of the full database like in daily cadence, but you can 
can imagine as our use case evolve, like we have more and more data lake users, they have different type of like the scenarios. And then like the more and more users ask us to for a fresher data in data lake. So that's where Hoodie come to help us. So our new near real time DB injection system is built on top of the idea of processing the incremental data changes instead of like snapshotting the whole database every time. So if you look at the architectural diagram here, so like uh, like previously, let's people ask about change data capture. So here we use Debezian as the change data capture service to consume the change re uh, the change records uh, from the, also you you can say like the DB writer hack log from the Postgres DB and yeah. write them to Kafka. And then we use the hoodie Delta streamer with Spark to perform an efficient update and insert, which is like hoodie provides like low level index, so we can do it like very in a very efficient way, and so so that we can very easily absorb those change logs into the existing data lake tables in the S3. So and of course on top of that, like we have those like hoodie data lake tables, we use Trino to perform queries and do analysis on those like very fresh data. Currently, uh, we use the uh, tr is tr the old way, like the Trino Hive connector with a hoodie jar to support this like hoodie tr uh, Trino hoodie integration. Mm -hmm. But we are also very exciting and looking forward to the new hoodie connector and the improvements it will bring, like the metadata table. And also, um, we know that like the, in the future with this hoodie connector, potentially we will be support the uh, the snapshot query on the margin read table. And we believe this like, type of combination will give us the best data latency. So we are really looking forward to this like, the future improvements. And also for the use case we are powering, currently this system with Hoodie to get our fresh data and Trino to query it has overall brought down our DB snapshot time data latency, like I mentioned, from one day to an hour or 15 minutes or less, like the, uh, depending on our configuration. And generally, it has been powering some of our very critical use case in the company that really requires fresh data, like our IPO stock allocation uh, near real-time liquidity risk monitoring during the market hour and also like the just general very critical metrics reporting. Yeah, so overall, I think like the, this is a relatively brief like the overview of our uh, Trino use case and Hoodie use case in Robinhood. If you, uh, most of the uh, real-time injection system like credit to the Robinhood Data Lake team, which is like my neighbor team. And then like the, they have this, if you want to know more, they have this awesome tech blog called Fresh Data Lake on AWS3, like uh, in the Robinhood Median. And then like uh, you can take a look, it's written by another uh, Hoodie contributor, Balaji, like who working Robinhood right now, it will give you more details around that. Yeah. Nice. That's can, about you, can you send that to me and I'll put that in the show notes after after we get off the uh, call today? Yeah, uh, for sure. Call, yeah. call the, the show. <laughs> Everything feels the same because uh, we're all remote and virtual. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, really cool. I had a couple questions that came up in my head, at least. And uh, Marius, I, let me know if that, that answered your questions. Uh, I think before when you were asking about change data feed, that the change data capture in general... Um, 
for those that that are not as aware, uh, we have a we have a, a episode that actually covers this in a lot of detail. Uh, all the configurations, and this actually had a couple uh, had a, a couple folks from Red Hat um, joining us that uh, that day to talk about Debezium. Um, it's a it's a really cool project. That uh, uh, cool, Marius. Uh, is uh, is giving us the the green light that his his question was answered. So cool. Um, and then uh, obviously let let us know if you have any more questions on this because this is a really cool architecture. I, I get really excited about change data capture because it kind of uh, merges a lot of this RDBMS world uh, with the kind of data lake world. And one thing that I'm kind of curious to ask, and I don't know if you know this answer, Grace, but uh, do you all do like uh, have you all had ever had the use case where you need to have like multi-table transactions across multiple, let's say, multiple tables in Postgres, and you need to preserve the transactional integrity across from Postgres all the way out to Hootie? Or are you all just doing single single tables right now? I believe that we are mostly doing single table right now. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you will have ever looked at or, or thinking about, or it's not, it's still something that's like, uh, not, not yeah. quite. I think like my neighbor team might have better answer, but to okay. my knowledge, like the, I don't feel like we have prioritized that yet, but usually like our, as a platform team, like usually our needs come from users ask, like okay. so like as like the users use case emerging, I'm like, I believe that one day probably we will look into it. Yeah, this is this is something I've always been interested in because you know there's there's always a couple things that you can't quite have yet, and multi-table transactions is one of them. Being mm -hmm. able to preserve the asset uh, uh, whole integrity across this whole spectrum between you know Postgres right ahead log all the way out to uh, you know Hootie and and S3 and all that stuff like being able to uh, at some point in time say okay this was the state of Postgres after this commit and now I'm able to based on you know re at read you know read time I'm able to kind of compile this same state that existed in Postgres the whole transactional integrity state uh, and I can do you know, tra uh, have transactional integrity when I'm joining two tables together in my data lake. And that's, that's something that's kind of pie in the sky in my head. I don't, I'm actually kind of curious now then to ask Sagar, have you seen this use case, uh, something along these lines? And, and, and is there anything currently on the Hootie side that's able to support something like this? Yep. Multi-table transactions is an odd roadmap. Uh, 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 it's still, uh, not yet. Yeah, it's not there in Hoodie right now. Um, I don't think it's in anything. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so you're, uh, you're not alone. it's actually a, a good engineering challenge to have, um, yeah. and we are working um, in a Hoodie team uh, towards that. Yeah. Um, yeah, since Brian mentioned that like the reconstruct the state of DB, I remember like the self the our user has asked like the self layer needs like the, maybe I can also ask Sagar like do you previously also mentioned like the point in time query? I think lots of our users are interested to perform like time travel queries. Do you think it's like something in the hoodie connector roadmap? Like the yeah, in we, like would it like the we support like with Trino? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the goal of the connector is to support all uh, read and write operations. And mm. when it comes to read, we want to support all the query mm. types in Hoodie, uh, not just snapshot query, but also um, you know uh, incremental queries. Mm. Um, 
So that's, and as we speak, I think today, uh, um, there is a PR that came out today for uh, merge on read snapshot query support mm -hmm. and incremental query support is in development. Um, so yes, uh, we are working towards that. Awesome. Really cool. So, um, Grace, was there anything else uh, that kind of in terms of like the the type of use cases? I mean, it sounds very much like mm -hmm. having uh, near real time in and in, uh, um, in, in, in your data lake was was really kind of the the central reason why, you know, Hootie and, and Trino made sense. Another actually a, another quick question. So you say you use Spark right now to read off of uh, this reads off Kafka and inserts into Hootie. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering if, if, uh, we ever get to the point, I don't actually know what, what the connectors are or anything like that, but we have a Kafka connector. We also have a Hootie connector now. And I'm wondering if, uh, that ever becomes something, uh, a use case that we can, uh, forge in and see if Trino could, could take on something along those lines. But I believe actually, so I'm guessing that uses spark streaming to, to read that out, or is that. Yeah, I think we like the Woody Delta streamer is like something plug into Spark to read stream data. So it's like just very easy to use combined with Spark. So we just like the start from there. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I because I mean that's always the one one area that we're not really forging ahead with with Trino. We're keeping Trino a batch engine, but I was like curious. I was like, well, I wonder if we could, you know, pull the data in there. But it's it's gonna break the whole uh, real time aspect of it and and do it in batches instead. So never mind. <laughs> so uh, cool. Well, uh, anything Actually, else? Uh, that... I just have one question here okay. on the architecture. Sure. So Grace, uh, you're using Kafka here. Uh, is it because there are other upstream consumers other than Hootie? Uh, since uh, version mm -hmm. zero ten, I think Hootie uh, also has a Postgres Debezium source. Um, uh, so you could replace Kafka if you are just talking about this architecture. Then uh, we could replace Kafka uh, mm -hmm. with that source. So my understanding was like back when we set this up, so we want to like the decouple this part. And one is like mm. what you say, like the potentially we will have like other downstream consumer of this change log, like the layer. There are lots of systems want to also build like the the layer layer reaction based on this like the change data capture. And that's one. And the second also kind of like they just want to have a message queue in the middle to decouple the downstream and upstream. So if like the downstream is like yeah. processing everything slower, so that we doesn't like the back pressure the upstream. So that's like what it is like at the beginning, I think how we set this up. Got it, got it, thanks. Yeah, always, uh, there's always a reason for Kafka to be there. It's Micro microservices, <laughs> De decouple things as much as you can. Cool. Um, so uh, to, to kind of finalize things up on real quick thing, I want to say hi to Damon. Uh, thanks for thanks for making it on. Uh, no worries. You're here at every single one. So if you're late to every once in a while, I'm, I'm not upset. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's go into the quick state about where the Hootie connector is today. I mean, we, we're, we're kind of at a state where we just wanted to get things started and start getting Hootie connector into the hands of people who, who needed it. 
Um, but but there's a lot more development that needs to happen here. So could you kind of uh, um, kind of bring us into you know where we're at today, Cigar? I, by the way, if anybody that doesn't know, Cigar was the one that that wrote all of the the connector uh, for Hootie. So so thank you very much for your contribution uh, and and bringing that. Uh, I know it's you know helps the Hootie community a lot, but it also helps us the Trino community uh, support more use cases. So uh, so do I do thank you for all of your efforts there. Now, um, wh where are we at today with, with the connector? And then, you know, what are some immediate, like, kind of uh, roadmap uh, items that we can look forward to in the coming months? Right. Uh, well, today you can query, run snapshot queries on copy on write table uh, using Hootie Connector. Uh, you can run uh, read optimized query types on merge on read table. So, read optimized query types are the ones which won't do merging while you're reading okay uh, merge on read table um and uh, you can use the metadata table but only the files index okay. uh, you cannot um we have not yet integrated with the column stats index um so going forward uh, our top priority is to make the reading side complete um as in it should be able to support um all query types uh, yeah. across both the tables and then uh, it should work with um, all the indexes make use of uh, all the indexes for making the query run times as uh, fast as possible and so the uh, as you have rightly mentioned here in the show notes as well utilize the column stats index yeah. integration with the metadata table um there is a session level property called Hootie metadata enabled. If you mm -hmm. enable that, you can use uh, for listing, it will still uh, uh, use the metadata table. But for column stats, there is no integration yet. Mm -hmm. um, and snapshot query support for merge on read tables, as I mentioned before, uh, there is a PR out and we hope to uh, land that soon. Um, once the read side is completed, then we want to move on to right support okay. um uh, supporting all ddl and dmls um that's that's our next milestone after the read gotcha yeah, yeah it seems like majority of these these bullet points i i wanted to clarify yeah majority of these bullet points are about reads and that's kind of the when when the way that people use Trino is typically around OLAP kind of read read scenarios, not as much ingestion, but we are supporting that more and more. We have a lot of and merge support and all these other things that we just talked about in the um, in the release notes. And so, uh, you know, as these start to become kind of more common use case for Trino, we're also really excited to support those. But read is typically when when a connector lands uh, first in Trino, that's that's always the the typical way it goes. Let's get read very fast, you know, like work supported and you know fun functioning well and then once that's happening then we'll we'll get all the insert stuff uh done so that you know you can start replacing other use cases but read is the primary i mean robin hood uh example that you have there grace is like <laughs> that's a prime prime example like you know trino is currently a very heavy heavily used as read and we're trying to break out of that a little bit but for right now uh you know that's the that's the core use cases for a lot of people that we want to get addressed first so so that's that's how we'll, we'll forge forward with with hootie connector it sounds like as well yeah awesome 
Um, and so as we're going to be seeing here too, with our demo, that means that people are generally going to have to use like say spark along, along with this, uh, in the interim until we get DDL, uh, and DML. Um, but, uh, that there's no, no concern there. Cause it's, I think it's going to be, I mean, these things progress pretty, pretty quickly. So, uh, it's just about chipping it into like, once you get the first initial one chipping at, a, a, a feature at a time. So, uh, so we'll be keeping our eyes peeled on uh, future broadcasts to see who do start showing up a whole lot more and, and seeing all those features, uh, uh, flowing through. I'm sure you will as well, uh, Grace. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. Well, uh, anything else before we hop onto the uh, pull request of the episode, do you want to cover anything cigar or grace? All right, cool. Well, let's move on to the pull request of the episode. Hey, this PR of the episode is uh, the one that we talked about in the release notes a while back. Let me zoom. Yeah, now we get to go into it. Yeah, we get to, to talk about it a little bit. So this was coming from uh, Matt Deddy. I think that's how the right way to uh, pronounce the name. Uh, Matt Deddy. He is uh, actually a pretty new, uh, new addition to Starburst, and he hit the ground running uh, with, with this, um, uh, this particular PR. It's really exciting to see. Uh, so fault tolerant execution um for those that were familiar when we were first kind of broadcasting this uh these feet this feature uh we were putting it under the uh the the um the moniker i guess of uh you know project tardigrade uh this was uh basically to address the team of of uh, engineers that were working together uh to get these uh kind of fault tolerance execution capabilities out uh, and this kind of goes back to what i was saying before trina's trying to branch out of just being the uh the you know read-only engine we also want to be able to hand handle like larger batch ingestion and and things like that and so uh enabling a having a fault tolerant execution mode uh kind of enables us to to uh you know set up set up a, a trino cluster in a way where it's going to be able to handle a more resource intensive and a more uh he heavier job in general um and this doesn't only apply to you know, when we're talking about uh, kind of data lakes and things like that, this applies to, um, you know, many, many uh, use cases outside of, let's say, just the Hive use case or the or the Hootie use case. And we're we're trying to really branch out and uh, and make this uh, applicable to pretty much any time you're using any connector in Trino when you have this fault tolerance execution enabled. So. Um, so we wanted to have this uh, uh, as well when you're running on Postgres and MySQL. Um, these two are kind of uh, under the under the hood. They use a very a common part of the library, and this isn't this is kind of just a fun fact. So you don't have to know this as a user, but it's just like a, they use a common uh, code path uh, where it's a base JDBC. And so once you kind of add uh, the capabilities to a base J the base JDBC and you implement it in one of these, uh, it actually opens up the doors for a lot of the other connectors where Trino is using a JDBC connection to actually interact with the, the data source. And so Postgres and MySQL are two of those. And we actually get a bonus PR, uh, which is this 14730 over here. 
And that is um, utilizing that work that, uh, that Matt did before. He made another PR and applied this also to SQL Server. So now we can start seeing fault tolerance execution uh, being enabled uh, across the board for a lot of these JDBC uh, connectors. And so when you're running uh, you know, a, a, uh, um, one of these you know, fault tolerance uh, FTE uh, clusters, a cluster in FTE mode, then you know, and you're running it on a particular on a SQL server or on anything else. Uh, those those uh, ser eh, those uh, uh, connectors will be covered uh, in the event of a failure, and all of that data is being uh, intermediate data is being is being cached as well, just like we do in the shuffle buffers for um, the the batch queries, let's say on a data lake or something like that. So, uh, so thanks, Matt. Uh, welcome to the Trino community. Welcome to the, I think this is his, was this one his first commit or it was like his second? Um, so, uh, so anyways, uh, thanks for, for uh, what you did there. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing a lot more coming from you. Um, and, uh, oh, and one little small thing. So this is, you know, just like it is in any other time where you're using fault tolerance execution, uh, you set this. This is enabled when you set the retry policy to either task or query level, um, and so uh, so that that's just one little aside that he added into the notes. I figured it was worth mentioning. Um, Cole, anything else that you want to mention about this? Since uh, you probably got this across the line in a lot of ways, I didn't do anything to get this across the line. I, I cannot claim any credit whatsoever. However, it's exciting. Um, yeah. I think it's cool to see Trino empowering up. You know, fault tolerant execution sounds a bit like a buzzword, but the point is like it runs better and fails less and like is more resilient. Like we like those things. Yes. Those are good qualities for an engine to have. It makes it more of a tool for ETL and batch workloads because you know, if you run Trino for 12 hours in the past, like it's probably gonna explode. If you run it with fault tolerant execution, it's not gonna explode. And that yeah. makes us happy. So yeah. Yeah, that's, it makes that's gives really everybody a nice moment for you when you're running. Now it's expanding to different capabilities, different data sources. Um, so I'm really glad that our users are going to be able to use it like that. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Really excited. Yeah, no, no credit from me. I, I get, I get none of. Oh, that. stop! You do, you do so much to get these things uh, to to help out with these releases. So, um, so it's really exciting. Okay, well, with that, uh, let's move on to the demo of the episode. <laughs> All right, so this demo, uh, we we're gonna have to do a little uh, magic uh, here. Where the the uh, and as we kind of mentioned, so Hootie is um, the Hootie connector, I should say, is uh, you know currently at a ma mainly read only state. Uh, has a, you know mostly only support for reads. So we're gonna have to in, uh, ingest the data in another way to actually write it as a Hootie table, um, and then for for Trino to be able to read it for now. Again, this will be addressed in the in the coming uh, you know uh, months and, and things like that. So keep your eyes peeled. But for now, this is how we're going to do it. And uh, when we have the demo, we're we're going to have to clean it up a little bit because um, Cigar, uh, being the the Scala whiz that he is, uh, he, he's ingesting the data using uh, Spark using Scala and. Uh, we're trying to probably just keep it closer to something more SQL friendly to make sure that it's kind of a equivalent to pe what people in the community are used to. So we're going to uh, adapt this to be a Spark SQL query. But for now, it's just going to be running Scala. And uh, we're going to go over the code, uh, actually, which is going to be the same thing that you'll have, but just in SQL uh, when we do get this published. So um, so let's first, uh, well, let me, let me make, first make sure 
Uh, oh, silly me. Yeah, okay. We pulled this up. And let me... Uh, here. It looks like we had something crash. So let me just this up one time i think i accidentally started it in the incorrect way cool okay so we got everything uh, up and running now and what we're going to do is uh this looks very similar to let's say a hive setup that i that i have on the uh trino getting started repository um and so you know we have the uh, the meta store sitting there we have min.io we have the database that's backing up the um, the Metastore that's running in the background of the Metastore. And then uh, we have the Trino service. And then there's one new uh, kind of container that's sitting in here. And this is the one that's running Spark. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to just log into that container. Um, and so and we're going to run the Scala code that we're going to uh, that I'll have Cigar kind of go through and explain to you in a little bit uh, what the detail is. So let's do a quick Docker PS. And actually, let me make this bigger and so that you can see it. And then we want to log into, oh, man, that's a bad view for me to do some accurate copying. Okay, so we want to pull the, this This is a, a little bit hard to see maybe in this size, but the, the names here uh, got uh, kind of cut off. So names is here, and the name of the container we want to log into is Trino Hoodie Min.io Min Spark Hoodie 1. Say that five times fast. Okay, and we're going to log in using Docker exec, interactive terminal, and put that there. And we're going to use bash, log into it. And so from here, we're, we were dropped into the jars directory. Let's just go up one, because this is actually in the Spark settings. And then in Spark, uh, here, let me just clear all the other stuff going on. In Spark, um, we, we're sitting under, underneath this top-level Spark directory, and uh, we have a bin directory here that we can use. Oh, I almost did the top-level bin again. And we're going to pull up Spark shell. And this is going to give an interactive uh, Scala shell that we can run this code that was given to me by Cigar. OK, so starting off, I can actually explain all this stuff, even not knowing much of Scala. So we're going to import some libraries. <laughs> That's pretty simple. So we'll import some libraries that we need to do all of this. Then, Cigar, <clears throat> um, so we're going to create a schema here. Um, so this is basically just, uh, I'll, I'll just basically tell, tell me if I'm saying anything wrong, but we're basically just going to define uh, the, the, you know, the schema for Spark to basically write the table, write the parquet files and things like that, right? Yep. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and define that. This is just defining the, the Scala um, uh, type here. It's not actually creating the schema yet. Uh, this is just going to be, and then we're here's some fake dummy data that we have. We have uh, multiple rows of uh, it looks like uh, programming languages, uh, and the user is user, you know, some user ID, and then uh, um, another ID for the language. So let's go ahead and put that in. It's basically just some dummy row data, and then we want to create a data frame. This is a uh, uh, an abstraction in Spark specifically, and so we'll. We'll do all this in Spark SQL. Uh, I don't know if it does data frames or not, but uh, if anything, we'll just uh, have, have some sort of SQL thing that basically does roughly this, is essentially create a table and insert some data into it. So that's essentially what's happening here is we're creating just the data frame. 
And now uh, we will create a couple these two variables. So we're going to make a table name called Hive Coder Hootie Coders Hive. That's going to be the table name. And then we're, we want to write this into our MinIO table, which is at uh, a Hootie test bucket. And it's going to be under the directory Hootie Coders. So one thing, just like we have to in, in just about any like uh, Hive or anything else, we want to make sure that that bucket exists. So let me go to localhost and I'm going to go to 9000 and log into. We just use minio as the name and minio123. And we don't have any buckets. So this would blow up if we didn't have this bucket created. So we want to create a bucket that's labeled the top level uh, S3 um, directory here is actually referring to the bucket. So Hootie test. And if you're doing this against, like, let's say AWS S3, it has to be a unique thing. So I'm guessing Hootie Test has probably already been taken by somebody in the world. Uh, I, when I say unique, I mean unique in the entire, like, I think AWS global region. So, um, so very likely Hootie Test is taken by somebody who uses Hootie. Okay, and so we'll we'll we now have this base path that we're going to write to uh, with the um, the directory underneath it called Hootie Coders. That's going to be where our table data sits, and then this is just going to be the table name. So let's go ahead, where did, I, where did my terminal go? I'm gonna write that all out. I'm gonna write that out, it's just two strings. And now here's the part where I'm gonna need your help. Let me zoom in even a little bit more here and I'll uh, bring this up. Okay, so um, this is I think pretty obvious. We're writing the table name. Uh, what is format here? So format is basically, Telling us uh, what what their cigar? Uh, that's um, uh, in terms of Spark. That's typically the um, data format in which you want to write to. Uh, it could have been Parquet as well, uh, okay. but with uh, this hoodie, we are telling that this is the table format that we want to use, um, and then hoodie has those integrations uh, which will take care of doing the rest. Okay, so when we did the imports up here, there was probably like some Hootie, these these Hootie write configs and things that understand yes. that when you have that format, I'm calling this code. Right, right, cool. exactly. And then you need to specify a bunch of configurations uh, for Hootie. Okay. Uh, and that's because um, uh, Hootie kind of enforces users to think about uh, their data mm -hmm. and define the record key or primary keys. And if, if the data is, well, that's the mandatory field. Partition path is not a mandatory field. If you want your data to be non-partitioned, that's fine. You don't need to specify the partition field. Pre-combined field is um, something um, based on which Hootie will merge uh, two records with the same record key. Okay. Um, whenever there is this conflict, then what's the field based on which you break the tie, right? Oh. Um, that's a pre-combined field. Mm. So these should be generally unique? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. You could even um, implement, Hootie has interfaces to implement your own custom logic to merge logic. Uh, you can have your own uh, rule to merge uh, two records. Okay. Uh, but record key needs to be unique. Uh, but even uniqueness has a notion, two different notions in Hootie. One is unique within a partition. Um, and by default, Hootie assumes that your record key needs to be unique within a partition. 
Another second notion is unique across the table. So global uniqueness. Um, uh, uh, there, there cannot be a record with the same record key um, okay. in uh, other partitions, any other partition. Okay. So uh, oh, I won't go into the details of that, um, uh, but just something to so, keep in mind. So if I did this, this would explode, like Hootie would be angry at me, right? It, uh, it will... Uh, well, it will go ahead and combine the two records. Uh, ah, when you okay. use, uh, select uh, the records, it will say, it will show you just two records. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So this is just, first it's Java, and then we update Java to Python, essentially, is what that, that would have done. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That's right. Um, and then rest of the configs are related to high sync. So what Hootie does to make the data queryable through Trino, um, it needs to sync to the it needs to sync the metadata to the Hive Metastore, and then in Trino you can point to um, uh, Hive Metastore. Uh, it, it does not uh, uh, copy any data to Hive, so it's still your data residing in Minio in this case. Um, it's just the metadata uh, which Hive Metastore saves. And through the Hoodie connector, you can query that data. So gotcha. these uh, configurations are, well, first configuration is related to Hoodie uh, supports both type of partitioning, uh, high style partitioning with equal sign, you know, partition column equals partition value mm -hmm. and without equal sign. Um, then you need to enable the Hive sync and then Hoodie supports multiple modes of syncing to Hive. You can do it, most common, most popular is Hive Metastore. Another is through JDBC. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, your, instead of Metastore URI, you'll have to provide a JDBC URI. Um, and then uh, uh, the table name, the database name, the partition field, and partition extractor class, um, it's because, um, uh, let's say, you want to apply some function on, you have, in this case, we don't have an event date kind of column, but let's say you want to partition your data by event date, but your actual column was uh, some timestamp. And uh, partition extractor helps you to run functions on top of your partition field to generate that partition value. Got it. Um, yeah, and the uh, Metastore URI, as I mentioned before, uh, since that uh, sync mode is HMS, Hive Metastore, uh, and then you point it to the target, the base path to which you want to write the Hootie table to. Gotcha. This this reminds me of the, like, we have a function that kind of does a, a similar type of, of syncing for Hive. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it, you know, a lot of these parameters, uh, you know, that, that you're kind of uh, having to define here on, on this, like, kind of one one right thing could usually be nested into like config files and things like that uh on the on the trino side and so it's a very similar type of syncing that that we have to do whenever we we update different partitions and things like that so yeah yeah and most of these configs uh you can provide in a particular uh just like spark um 
uh, of people coming from using Spark uh, would be familiar. There is a Spark defaults configuration. Mm. Um, yeah. Similarly, we have Voodoo defaults configuration. So any static configurations, like in, you're not going to change table name, right? You're not yeah. going to change Hive meta store uh, URI very frequently. Right, so right. you can put in there. Um, you don't have to specify for each and every df dot right yeah. uh, statement. Uh, that makes your life easier. But I just yeah. wanted to list it out here so that so, I can uh, you talk see about the whole these. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Cool. Okay. Um, and then this last one I wanted to ask about this overwrite. Is this the copy on write? Oh no. Okay, I didn't talk about overwrite. So th this is something. Um, to Spark Compute Engine, related to Spark Computing Engine. Ah, okay. Uh, there are different modes in which you can write data using Spark. Um, append mode, overwrite mode. Uh, overwrite will simply, as it says, it will overwrite uh, any existing data. Okay, gotcha. If right, you well, want to bulk ingest uh, some data, then overwrite is uh, the way to go. Gotcha, okay. And it's but not, if you it's want not to update the data, then it's better to use append instead of overwrite. Gotcha. Okay, so we now have this data frame. We're going to take, and we have all the basically stuff that we've set up before, and now we're going to uh, run this operation and cross our fingers after all that, uh, all that excitement. Okay, where's my mouse? My mouse got away from me. All right. So now we'll head back here to the Scala thing and... Run it and let's see what happens. Looks like things are like good things are happening. Like files are being written, data is getting moved over. That's what you like to see. Yes. And I'm not seeing a, any error messages, so that's also good. Um, so it looks like that completed. Let's go uh, quickly check out what happened underneath this bucket. If uh, we're seeing stuff here. So the who decoders uh, uh, directory was created. And sure enough, we have uh, a different, you know, some dot hootie. I'm guessing there's some metadata we can dive into there. And then uh, some of the actual data by partition, since we partitioned on language, uh, we'll, we'll be able to, um, you know, uh, put different files based on the, the partitioning that we're doing uh, on that language. So um, where do you want me to, to dive in first? And let me just zoom in here a little bit. Yeah, I think dot hootie is, would be more interesting part. Um, okay. Partition data files are more or less what Spark would produce anyway. So this is, uh, you see uh, dot commit requested in flight, right? Uh, three files and uh, it's identified by a timestamp. Mm -hmm. So, Hootie maintains the state. Uh, essentially, Hootie timeline is a state machine. Uh, you have different kind of action. One of the actions is commit actions. Uh, there are other actions for compaction, as we saw in that file layout diagram. Uh, that's a separate action. Um, so, for each of these actions, uh, first, Hootie would request um, uh, it, the action goes into the requested state. That's when the planning is done. And then it goes into in-flight state when actual execution is done. And once the data files are written, all the post write validations are done. Um, you can turn off validations, uh, uh, but I'm just saying, let's say everything uh, is on. And then you actually commit the transaction. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when your ride is successful. Uh, the state machine is what helps us uh, uh, with a lot of things. The hoodie timeline is an event log, essentially. Uh, people who have used Kafka uh, would be very familiar with something similar. Um, uh, it helps us with concurrency control. It helps us in distinguishing between different kinds of writers. Uh, we do compaction, clustering, cleaning, all without really blocking your ingestion. Your ingestion yeah. can keep on going. Um, you can have multiple readers, and uh, we provide snapshot isolation. Uh, the way uh, we do it is through these uh, uh, commit files. And these commit files, if you uh, download and open any one of them, uh, it contains that commit metadata, uh, which is nothing but partition write statistics. Um, so it's it's. Um, if I talk in terms of database systems, then it's basically your transaction log here. Um, the metadata table um, we talked about before. Uh, if you log inside metadata, yes. This is another Hoodie table, right? By default, Hoodie will only create files index. Uh, column mm-hmm. stats and Bloom filter index, you'll have to enable additionally. Uh, again, this is a Hoodie table, so it has a timeline as well, metadata timeline as well. And all these indexes um, can be built asynchronously. Uh, As in, um, uh, suppose you didn't have metadata table before. You already have thousands of commits on the Hoodie table. Now you want to enable metadata table. Uh, You don't want to block your ingestion, right? To do synchronous, uh, you don't want to commit your data only after indexing is done. So asynchronous indexer in the background will index your data without really blocking your ingestion. Um, But for the purpose of demo, that's not very relevant. Uh, uh, So this metadata table, the files uh, partition, if if you go one level up, uh, there was one files directory, right? Um, Yep. These are log files in uh, a format particular to Hoodie. Um, this is not uh, Parquet or Avro. Well, this is written in H file, uh, and there is a reason we chose H file for this. Uh, uh, H file is very efficient for point lookups, um, but it has a format that is uh, very specific to Hoodie. Mm-hmm. And this is what is used when you enable metadata table while querying. Um, it will contain information, uh, any any information that can be used while doing partition listing. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. This is, I mean, is very helpful, especially when, when anybody who's trying to kind of see what it takes to implement what you all have with the, you know, kind of near real time ingestion. It's, it's like, it's no easy, (laughs) like there's nothing easy about this and you all kind of conceptualize it in in, in pretty easy ways. But when you actually start digging into the files, that's where you really start to learn like the, the sheer complexity and a lot of like, you know, uh, once you kind of dive into yet another use case or, oh, okay, we didn't have this enabled. So that's why this didn't, this, you know, uh, uh, directory wouldn't be populated and that kind of stuff. You start to really kind of get a, a much better appreciation for uh, all the, all the attention to detail and things that have to be paid attention to with, uh, um, managing these kind of going back and forth between being able to do like, uh, was that uh, copy on write versus, uh, uh, merge on read and being able to support, 
this architecture that can can you know kind of sway back and forth between those so very very cool stuff um i guess we didn't actually uh we, we've we've dug into the files and we've made sure that uh you know uh, spark did what it's supposed to do uh let's actually test the uh trino connector um which is over here so uh this will be uh my big claim to fame so <laughs> we have uh you know, basically our show catalogs. We do have the Hootie connector all set up. Uh, you can go dive into the code in terms of uh, what needs to be configured for that. Make sure that we see what's in there. Uh, right now we're just using a default schema um, and uh, not creating anything special. So then let's look at the tables and see if those actually show up. And sure enough, Hootie coders hive uh, do showed up and let's uh, do a quick count. It should be three we have in there three and let's now pull out the data. And so there's a couple other uh, um, kind of Hootie specific yep. private uh, variables that talk about like what's the record key, the partition path and things like that. So if you had multiple partitions, this would be a lot longer. And then it talks specifically about the, the file name. And then at the end here is the actual uh, data that we that we stored, but these are some of the the kind of metadata uh, things on, and this is on the row, or it's just how this gets visual. Yeah, it's a record level uh, metadata. Uh, okay. so these five columns are meta columns. Uh, in Trino, we have a config through which you can hide these meta columns. By default, okay. it's turned on as we wanted to keep the behavior similar to um, other query engines, where okay. it's, uh, it shows up by default. Uh, but right. these metadata help us um, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, key lookups and uh, uh, the partition values, uh, e e even while partition pruning, it uh, helps us a lot. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, that was awesome. I mean, I'm super excited for this, uh, for this connector and I'm so glad that, uh, you're, you're the one working on this right now. And so, uh, um, you know, thanks, thanks a lot for, uh, contributing this and continuing to work on this. Uh, you know, the, the, the other thing, is there anybody else who is kind of helping you out or is it pretty much just still you on, uh, soloing the, the Hootie connector optimizations right now? Uh, we, we do have, uh, well, to get the first connector landed, Marius here, he's on the call. Uh, he helped me a lot. Um, Great. uh, we, we have, a um, pricing community are also working on this now. So the um, MOR snapshot query, merge on read snapshot query support that's written by uh, an engineer from Shopee. Mm. Um, that's an e-com giant in Singapore. And yep. so uh, then uh, we have uh, uh, people at ByteDance as well uh, working on certain aspects uh, of Hoodie Connector. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's it's really a hard thing to see uh, people engaging uh, um, with the Trino Hoodie connector. And a, a big, big part of uh, uh, that is the query engine Trino itself, the uh, optimizations done there. You know, uh, people could have simply stuck to Hive, uh, querying with Hive, uh, but this movement happening from Hive to Trino um, uh, that's uh, that's what also pushed us to add a new connector in Trino. Awesome. 
Yeah, I know it's it's always great to hear these kind of like over overlap in, in kind of open source success stories. Like there was the first, you know, everybody was was figuring out the whole how do we replace the hive runtime? And that was, you know, kind of Presto slash Trino was a bit of the answer for that. And now uh and, and Spark a little bit as to some degree as well. And then it was like, okay, well, now how do we how do we go from there to actually you know, fixing the other problems that were very ever present with Hive. And I think that that's where we're at now as a, you know, data engineering community is solving those, those lasting kind of data modeling problems. Uh, and, and Hive was always a good an entryway into how do we do this with big data? Um, but it was just the wild west back just, you know, almost five to 10 years ago now, where, you know, there's, there was no expectation on it being fast. Now it's like, we, we not only expect it to be, you know, running some query on some volume of data, but it has to turn around. It has to, it has to perform and it has to support the features that we expected from data warehouses and databases from the beginning, you know? So, uh, so it, it, it's always putting us uh, in a, a challenge, but it's, it's exciting. Like you said, you know, why you got into this whole space is and why you enjoy data is like, it's always exciting to kind of go step-by-step uh, step into seeing what's possible. Um, cool. Well, uh, Grace Cigar, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, do you all? Do either of you have anything you want to kind of add or mention before we we hop off? Any way that people can get yeah. a, in touch with uh, you? Um, I think you'll have that in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I I I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for having me, and by far this has been the best. Uh, <laughs> uh experience so far for when it uh, comes to you know having these kind of sessions it's okay. a lot more interactive and even though uh, i don't know how much time one or 40 minutes right yeah uh, it just didn't feel like it <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah it's a couple nerds talking about talking about uh data so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you, Brian, for hosting from last year's Trino Summit to this time broadcast. Like, uh, yeah, it's a really fun event. And yeah, I Thanks. I really enjoy like the community here. Yeah. And so I'm going to see both of you out at Trino Summit 2022, <laughs> right? I might not be there because I'm based in India. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You get a free pass then. <laughs> You could, you have to, you have to attend virtually at the very least. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks, uh, for, for joining us today. Oh, we have one more comment. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> Brian has the talent to shrink the time. It's cause I don't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all, uh, for, for your kind words. And, uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to seeing you all at Trino summit. One last thing I did forget to mention, um, about Trino summit is, uh, Manfred, uh, our, our, co-host, fearless leader, and uh, also um, co-author of the book, uh, Trino, The Definitive Guide, uh, will be there with the other authors of The Definitive Guide signing autographs of the real books. We're going to be giving some away. So that is yet another reason to be attending uh, the, the Trino Summit, uh, is that we will be we handing those those off uh, in person. Unfortunately, I, maybe we'll figure out some way to uh, to ship a couple off to India. <laughs> Anybody who wants, we'll, we'll figure out like a cool raffle and try to get those of you joining us virtually to, to get a, a couple cool swag prizes and stuff so uh we'll we'll definitely consider that um 
Great. Well, thank you very much for, for your time today. I'll see you all in the next Trino Community Broadcast, which I believe will run after uh, Trino Summit. And we'll, we'll uh, maybe be doing kind of a recap of uh, the whole Trino Summit fun events. So talk to you all later. Thank you all for help tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtaf Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.